enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to share us and subscribe so you don't miss our next show. We'd love to talk with you again. Hello everyone, it's great to talk to you again. What a week it's been. We'll get to the palace intrigue in Congress soon enough, but first, some news items. We'll start with Representative George Santos. You remember him, right? Well, his former campaign treasurer, Nancy Marks, just pled guilty to federal criminal conspiracy charges pertaining to the New York Republicans' 2022 election campaign. The Justice Department's press release said she and Santos submitted, quote, material false reports to the FEC. The falsified reports provided to the Federal Election Commission allowed Santos's campaign to qualify for a National Party Committee program where financial and logistical support would be provided by the Republican Party. Marks could be sentenced to up to five years in prison on these charges. Santos's office declined to comment. Santos is currently under indictment on 13 federal charges, including several counts of wire fraud, three counts of money laundering, one count of theft of public funds, and two counts of making materially false statements to the House of Representatives. Despite this, despite the weight of evidence against him and the disgust of his fellow members, he is still a sitting House member. He was on hand Tuesday during the historic motion to vacate vote. I'll provide updates as they come out. On to our next item. Not to be outdone by their neighbors on the other end of the Capitol Hill, the Senate has their own most interesting man in their chamber. Robert Menendez also finds himself under indictment, the second set of corruption charges leveled at the senator in just 10 years. He's not alone, though. His wife and three New Jersey businessmen are also named in the recent indictment. Menendez is accused of trying to influence the presidential appointment of a federal prosecutor for New Jersey to benefit one of his business associates. He's also charged with attempting to influence the Department of Agriculture to the advantage of another associate who had a monopoly on importing halal meat from Egypt. That individual, Wael Hanna, met with Menendez in the senator's office in May 2019 along with an Egyptian intelligence official. Two days later, Menendez called the DOA and attempted to pressure them to stop opposing Hanna's business venture. During a 2022 search of Menendez's home and safe deposit box, investigators turned up almost $500,000 in cash, some in envelopes in the pockets of his monogram jackets. Some of the envelopes had fingerprints or DNA matching one of his business contacts. There was a, quote, luxury vehicle, a nice Mercedes by the picture, parked in the garage and paid for by, wait for it, Jose Uribe, one of the associates named in the indictment. They also found gold bars. How very Bond villain of you, sir. I'm seeing four bars on the pictures. Looks like we got a Johnson Matthey and a Royal Canadian Mint. One kilo loaf bars. Friday price on Atmex is about 60000 apiece for those bad boys. You've been a very busy boy, haven't you? I hope you have the assay cards, Bob. Don't be a gold bug noob. Invest in gold, boys and girls, but avoid the influence peddling, okay? Democratic senators are calling for Menendez to resign, but he has thus far refused. Several candidates are lining up to challenge him in next year's election, and he is already trailing leading rival Andy Kim by a 6-to-1 ratio. I'll definitely be following this story with great interest. The second Republican primary debate was last week, and there has been adequate time for voters to digest the event, so a quick check on current polls is in order. In a USA Today, Boston Globe's Suffolk University survey of 500 likely voters in New Hampshire, Nikki Haley has taken the number two spot from Ron DeSantis, scoring 19% to his 
They're both still way behind Donald Trump, who scored 49% in the polling. Independents can vote in primaries in New Hampshire and were 40% of the survey with 60% Republican. Chris Christie trailed in fourth with 6%. Vivek Ramaswamy and Tim Scott were next at 4%. Mike Pence and Doug Burgum shared 1% performances at the bottom of the list. The two biggest issues on the minds of the people polled was immigration and border security, followed close by the economy and jobs. A Winthrop University poll of over 1,500 registered voters in South Carolina backs these rankings up. In that survey, Haley ranks second at 16.6% of Republicans and 18.5% of Republican-leaning independents. DeSantis was third with 12.1% with either group, and Trump was number one at 50-47.5 respectively. When independents and Democrats were brought into the calculation, however, Haley beat Trump with 60% favorability to Trump's 45. The third Republican primary debate will take place in Miami on November 8th, with the venue and start time not yet announced. Candidate Vivek Ramaswamy's campaign has asked the Republican Party to change the qualifying criteria for the last debate, calling for only the top four polling candidates besides Trump to be on the stage. Speaking of Donald Trump... He is not expected to show for that debate either. His campaign advisors even called on the Republican National Committee to cancel the debate altogether. How about the Democratic primaries? Hmm. Well, there is speculation that Robert Kennedy is considering dropping his bid for the Democratic nomination for president and will instead run as an independent or on a third-party ticket. No, seriously, he was running against Biden for the Democratic nomination. The American Values 2024 Super PAC supporting Kennedy has been polling his potential performance in a hypothetical race against Biden and Trump. It is reported that Kennedy met with Libertarian Party Chair Angela McArdle at a Tennessee event in July and that the two have been in communication since, according to McArdle. She said she is not committed to running as a Libertarian. The son of Robert F. Kennedy, who was assassinated during his 1968 presidential campaign, RFK Jr. has not garnered much support in polls among Democrats. In a recent CNN University of New Hampshire poll, Kennedy earned only 9% support to Biden's 78. Kennedy founded the Children's Health Defense, an anti-vaccine nonprofit. And on to today's main event. It's been a wild week in Congress. Fresh off the game of chicken, they played with the budget deadline, pulling out a continuing resolution to extend funding for a short period of time, mere hours before the end of the fiscal year, the House decided it was really a great time to seek new leadership. Making good on his repeated threats to attempt to vacate the speakership, Matt Getz made the motion Tuesday, and Kevin McCarthy was removed as Speaker of the House, with the motion to vacate passing 216 to 210. There was speculation that Democrats might support McCarthy by voting present instead of against him, but McCarthy offered them no concessions. There was also reasonable belief that McCarthy's Sunday interview with CBS, where he blamed the Democrats for the near failure of the continuing resolution, dashed any hope of securing help from across the aisle. It's a hard story to sell when 90 Republicans voted against that resolution, and the very act of passing it is what led to the rebellion that toppled them. When the interview was shown to Democratic members Tuesday, they were less than pleased about it. Democratic Representative Matt Cartwright, one of the moderates McCarthy might have been able to woo, said, After I saw Kevin McCarthy's interview with Margaret Brennan, uh, all magnanimity left my body. 
House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries said it was up to the Republicans to, quote, break with extremists. The Democrats made their voice heard, with 208 of them voting against the Speaker. They were joined by eight Republicans. They were Andy Biggs of Arizona, Ken Buck of Colorado, Tim Burkett of Tennessee, Eli Crane of Arizona, Matt Goetz of Florida, Bob Good of Virginia, Nancy Mace of South Carolina, and Matt Rosendale of Montana. It's nice to see Matt Getz can work in a bipartisan fashion after all. This gives Kevin McCarthy the dubious honor of being the first speaker in history to be removed by a vote of no confidence. With the speakership now vacated, Republican Patrick McHenry of North Carolina, chairman of the Financial Services Committee, was named as a speaker pro tem. In the aftermath of these events, there was a growing chorus of Republicans furious about the mechanism that brought McCarthy down, the motion to vacate, something he agreed to back in January as a condition to get votes he needed to become Speaker and the rope that he was just hung with. Representative Carlos Jimenez said he was not going to support anyone for Speaker, quote, until there was a commitment to reform the motion to vacate. Representative Kelly Armstrong said, Apparently, the motion to vacate is now a toddler security blanket. Well, we're grown up. We need to take it away. Their House Main Street Caucus, a group of over 70 conservatives, warned, quote, The ability for one person to vacate the Speaker of the House will keep a chokehold on this body through 2024. There are even calls from down the hall in the Senate, with Minority Leader Mitch McConnell calling on the next Speaker to get rid of the motion to vacate. Applicants for the Speakership have already begun. House Freedom Caucus Deputy Chair Jim Jordan has thrown his hat into the ring for Speaker and is already racking up supporters. Majority Leader Steve Scalise has also announced his bid for the Speakership. Trump has heard the calls of his supporter in the House and has said he plans to attend the candidate forum on Tuesday and has graciously offered that, quote, if Republicans cannot rally enough support for Jordan or Scalise, he would accept the Speakership himself for a short period. Why would Trump say this? What makes him think this is even a possibility? Glad you asked. Interestingly enough, the Speaker does not have to be a House member at all. The Constitution states in Article 1, Clause 5, Impeachment, quote, The House of Representatives shall choose their Speaker and other officers and shall have the sole power of impeachment. That's it. The only requirements are that the person is nominated by a member of the House and then chosen by a majority. House Freedom Caucus member, Texas Representative Troy Nails, has already saying he would nominate Donald Trump. This Congress's rules, however, specifically Rule 26, may prevent that. The rule states, a member of the Republican leadership shall step aside if indicted for a felony for which a sentence of two or more years of imprisonment may be imposed. With Trump staring down the barrel of 91 felony charges across four state and federal cases, He's ineligible by most readings of the rule. The Republicans could change the rule, but that is unlikely to be attempted or to pass if it was. Until a new Speaker is elected, Acting Speaker of the House Patrick McHenry is wasting no time. Getting immediately to work, and in keeping with the Republican House members' new taste for evicting people, this time it's former Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi and her deputy Steny Hoyer. They are being kicked out of their current, quote, hideaway Capitol office spaces. Hideaway offices are unofficial and unlisted, denoted only with a room number. Usually they are used by senators, but some high-ranking House members have them as well. The Republicans defended this action as that office is for the most recent former Speaker of the House, which Kevin McCarthy now is, 
which makes Nancy Pelosi no longer. Comments like this, quote, she's no longer the immediately preceding speaker, so that was a decision she made by evicting Kevin McCarthy from Republican Representative Garrett Graves, doesn't help cleanse the impression of a revenge move by the GOP, though. There is collateral damage from this week's festivities as well. The lack of support for McCarthy is now threatening to bring down the bipartisan Problem Solvers Caucus. The Republican members of the caucus feel like they have sacrificed in the past for working with Democrats and that the Democratic members did not reciprocate, stating in a draft memo that Democrats in the PSC chose not to risk the smallest amount of political capital or show the minimum courage necessary to merely vote against the motion to vacate. Instead, they voted for the chaos and now hope to benefit politically from it. Republican caucus member Nicole Maliotakis said, You can't have it both ways. You can't say reject the extremists and then go out of your way to work with them. In addition to the fracturing of bipartisan groups within the House, there is also real concern among the Republicans that the drama in the House will hurt them in upcoming elections. Republican strategist Jason Cabell Rowe said, quote, I think right now we look like the gang that can't shoot straight. With 18 Republicans running in districts Biden won in the 2020 election, it would take only five losses to Democratic opponents to flip control of the House. Members continue to trade taunts and jabs on social media like X, formerly Twitter, looking like immature children instead of the grown-ups elected to lead the country. It would be fair to worry with optics like they have right, right now. Meanwhile, while all this is going on, the continuing resolution signed over the weekend counts down to the next deadline of November 17th. Stay tuned for the next episode of As the House Turns. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take the time to leave a comment here and on Podchaser. It helps us know how we're doing and what topics you'd like to hear in the future. Have a great day. Thank you.